Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The Texas high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The Texas high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew and I'm here with George and Joe today. George, how are you doing? I'm doing very good today. Thanks for asking. Had a very eventful weekend, went on a little trip and uh, Andrew, I heard you got some pretty, pretty good news yourself. I do have some pretty good news, actually. Yeah, Uh, I kind of ran, I kind of organized the little trip. And the reason why is because uh, we ended up going to uh, pick up a truck for me, a midsize pickup. It's a GMC Canyon SLE Duramax diesel. So no big deal, you know? (gasps) No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Joe, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Saw the Raiders win. It was kind of ugly, but we still got the dub. Yeah, but hey, a win is a win. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the NBA. The Philadelphia 76ers have needed to fill in the spot of president of operations. After considering potential candidates, they have elected to agree to sign former Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey for the position. So, George... How will Daryl Morey influence the 76ers? Yeah, so I, I think this is one of the sneakiest, biggest uh, moves in this offseason so far. Daryl Morey, he's one of the smartest minds in basketball. He does get a lot of criticism for that small ball that the Rockets ran. Um, but that necessarily isn't his fault 100%. You know, in Houston, James Harden had a specific skill set that they try to double down on. And they did find regular season success. They regularly got 60-plus wins, played great. You know, they Daryl Morey surrounded James Harden with the type of players he needed for the style that they were playing. And I believe he will be able to bring the same, not, not necessarily the same pieces, but bring the necessary pieces to the Philly for them to have success as well and to maximize the potential of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons together. He's very smart. He uses analytics, which will change how this team operates. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they play really well together. I know, you know, the media oftentimes talks about separating them. I know we talk about that too. Like we'll bring up sometimes, oh, who would you keep or who would you trade or stuff like that. But in reality, they do play well together and it's going to be putting the right pieces so that they can flourish and make a playoff run. Um, But the one piece that they acquired that didn't really fit in this last season was Al Horford. Al Horford didn't really fit in with Ben, uh, sorry, uh, Joel Embiid on the court at the same time. They even moved him to the bench, really didn't find his niche on the team. So I see Daryl Morey making that one of his big moves as he comes to this team. I think he's going to ship off Al Horford somewhere else, get some other pieces, some shooters, 
players that are really going to help out this team. And like I already said and said on previous podcasts when we talked about him, he's very much into the analytics. And one of the things that analytics are very high on, which is threes, which is why the Rockets did try to double down on that small ball, fast pace, a lot of threes. But the other thing that analytics are really high on is those easy layups and dunks and free throws which Joel Embiid is one of the best at getting it to the hoop. So I think Del Morey will really do his part to bring in the pieces and watch this team flourish. I think they're going to be better than they were. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on this Daryl Morey move? Yeah, I agree with you, George. Daryl Morey will bring his playoff knowledge and his wisdom with the addition to Doc Rivers. These two act should act well with each other and have a deep playoff run. But I but I say they can only really have a deep playoff run is if they keep both Embiid and Simmons. I, that, that's just what I feel like them to like you said, they work well together, even though people in media say they don't. They do play well with each other and I could see them succeeding with these two. And uh, and you like like you also said, uh, George, um, the addition of uh, Al Horford last year, they he didn't fit in, and I could see them trading him away or releasing him. But I think he's still I don't know how his contract is with the Seventy Sixers, but um, I could see them uh, using him as a trade piece. <clears throat> When I when I think of Daryl Morey and the you know the idea of him introducing the the small ball lineup with the Rockets, I think he was trying to take something that had just started coming around in the league with Golden State, and I think he was trying to be ahead of the game in the sense of where he was trying to make it so that he had. Kind of, you know, he was trying to perfect it in a way, you know. I, I mean, I think it was one of those things where Golden State had introduced it, you know. We were seeing and we saw like the beginning stages of it, and Golden State didn't did a good job with it. So it's not like you know, it was it's not like it was uh, you know a little rough around the edges or anything. Uh, it was they did a pretty good job of it, but I think what he was trying to do was he was trying to polish the idea of the small ball lineup and make it even more prominent. And you could, you, you can argue that, you, you know, he took a, he took a leap forward and it didn't, and it didn't succeed as well. It it showed some success in the regular season, but it's also one of those things. Is it, is a small ball lineup like that going to be effect the way that the Rockets did it? Is that going to be effective when it comes to playoff time? When, you know, the lights are brighter, the, the teams are better and they and the physicality is is uh is more prominent because the physicality steps up in the playoffs. We we know that. We all know that the refs kind of let them play a little bit more once the playoffs come around. And the reason why is because, you know, clearly teams want it, you know what I mean? Every every team wants to win in the playoffs more than those regular season games. And it makes me think to myself, 
is that is is that why is that the re- is that the big reason why that it didn't have success in the postseason versus the regular season? And so when I look at the signing itself for the 76ers, I'm thinking, is he going to try to stick with that? Because if he's going to try to stick with that, then he might not want Embiid in the system. Maybe, uh, maybe he's, you know, maybe it's one of those things where he tried it, wasn't, ex- wasn't as successful as he would have hoped. So he is kind of going to back away from it and go a different approach. I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going on in his mind. George, you did mention though that he is a very he's very big on analytics. So maybe he's going to look at the numbers of uh, of the more recent teams because we just seen the we just seen the Lakers win a championship with you know with bigger guy with bigger men, uh, hard defense like tough defense, get in your face kind of defense, and they didn't really they they were one of the they were one of the worst three point shooting teams in the league and they still won the championship. So it, uh, it makes me wonder if he's going to look at the numbers for that and try to, and try to make Embiid sort of like an Anthony Davis, uh, make kind of transition him into that sort of role. So I don't know. We're going to have to see. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to necessarily bring the small ball to, the 76ers, I don't know if that's what you're kind of alluding to, but they definitely got one of the best big men in basketball. So I, I think they're going to run with that. And I think the reason they really had that small ball in Houston with the Rockets was the personnel that they had. So they had James Harden, who is one of the most gifted scorers, can score almost any way, but also with Mike D'Antoni and his style of play. And we, we've seen Mac D'Antoni's style play before. It's with a, a really good guards, fast pace. And I think that's what they're running with more was Mike D'Antoni, James Harden. And then Daryl Morey's job was to get the pieces there. And that was the type of style they were going for. And he got that type of players there. He did his job, you know, and obviously it didn't work in the postseason. But as far as Daryl Morey and what he did and what he was asked to do, he did it, and I would say he did a great job at doing that. So I don't think he's bringing small ball to the 76ers, but, you know, well, something we always talk about, and not just us, but, you know, a lot of people, is surround Ben Simmons with shooters. This team needs shooters. When they let J.J. Reddick go, people were harping on that move because he's one of the best three-point shooters when – Jimmy Butler left. They were also talking about that because Jimmy Butler can go out there and get you buckets from anywhere. So I think what Daryl Morey is going to do is bring the right shooters to this team that can help spread the floor, help Ben Simmons flourish, and also uh, Joel Embiid. So I I think that's what he's going to be asked to do. And Daryl Morey, he's not afraid to make trades and to do some stuff. So we saw him, you know, bring Russell Westbrook and pair him up with James Harden. So I would expect for sure some moves happening to uh, spice this team up a bit. Like I said, the, the main one I think of right off the top of my head is Al Horford since he can never find his niche with this team. And he is a good veteran that I would say has value on the trade market. So I definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, 
What are you? What What's your thoughts on Al Horford, Andrew? Do you think that's a potential move that can happen? I'm not too sure. I will say this: Al Horford would be a great uh, person to have as your number five, regardless of you know, regardless of the lineup that you run, because you know he, he he is a guy. He's not very physical, but he can get you those rebounds. Um, he's getting up there in age, so he's not the most, you know, he's not like the most athletic, but you know, he's, he's a quality player. He is. And you made a good point. He, you know, he wasn't utilized as well and he didn't, he, he didn't, uh, I don't think they maximized his potential because I thought, I, I originally thought that was a good move for the 76ers and, uh, and it just never panned out. And especially considering that, you know, what he did in Boston, you know, the years prior, I think that if he goes to the right team, you can see, you can definitely see that type of player again. But as far as whether or not they'll uh, pull the trigger to make that move, I'm sure there's teams that are willing to do that. It's just a matter of what those teams are willing to offer up in order to get a player like Al Horford. Because at that point, you could tell that the you know if I'm another team, if I'm another general manager or president or anything, I'm thinking, I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, well, they're trying to get rid of him. They are. So the ball's kind of on my court. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, fair point to be made. But also, I mean, he just like you said, he he worked great in Boston. I just don't think Philly was the right system and. I mean, it sounds like you, you're still high on him. And like I said, I think he holds value to a team, just not the 76ers. So I would definitely shop him around. But I also don't think one specific team would have too much leverage like you're stating because I think there is a market for him. I think other teams will also shoot their shot and try to get him. So if I'm a team, you know, I, I'm, if I want him, I'm going to try and get him. So I, I think he'd be good on like kind of like a Boston team where it was a lot of younger players and you need that solid veteran to help you. So I, I actually just right off the top of my head, maybe even to the Suns, a team that looks like they're right there on the verge of the playoff, that eight spot. They played well in the bubble. Um, they got some young talent on there. So maybe you do a, a swap like that. Who knows? But um yeah, I definitely see Al Horford being shopped around in this next season. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. We're going to switch it to the NFL. Tua Tagovailoa had his first career start as a quarterback in the NFL. He and the Dolphins played and defeated the Los Angeles Rams 28-17 to for his first career win as an NFL quarterback. So, George... How did Tua do in his first career start? He looked like a rookie playing in his first game. He started the game trending down with the strip sack from Aaron Donald, but was able to bounce back and make the proper plays not to lose the game. He definitely didn't go out there and win the game by himself. He didn't put the team on his back, but uh, he didn't put his team in too many positions to lose the game like Jared Goff did. With his four interceptions, uh, this came down to the Dolphins' defense and special teams playing big for Tua. 
I think he showed great composure after that initial fumble, came back, tied the game up. The defense was scoring points off turnovers. The special teams even had, I believe, an 88-yard punt return. So they were making big plays all around, helped this team win. And although he didn't play spectacular, I think this is a big uh, team victory, a morale win. It's going to boost his confidence going into their next matchup, which is going to be a tough one because they're going against the Cardinals who have been red hot themselves. So that'll be a matchup to watch. But initial thoughts on his first game, I think he showed some good, but looked like a rookie playing in his first game. Joe, how do you think Tua did in his first full game starting with the Dolphins? Yeah, I agree. Tua did start out pretty slow, and he did have that welcome to the NFL moment on that strip sack by Aaron Donald. But um, but after all that, he did, he had a, a pretty decent outing. He went 12 for 22 with 93 yards, one TD, and that one fumble. But I think what took a little bit of pressure off was the Dolphins' defense. They were getting points, and they were helping to uh, really uh, get that pressure off his shoulders. Like, this is my first game. I got to go out and do good. I do do good. Their defense was like, nah, we got this. Just do you, complete passes, and don't turn the ball over. And that's what he did. He was completing passes, not a lot, not a lot, and not a lot of yards. But he, and he had that one TD. I think this was, like I said, this was a decent outing. And like George said, they're playing the Cardinals next week. That's going to be a tough matchup because uh, the Cardinals' defense is pretty good, and the Cardinal um, Cardinals' offense is really good. So that's going to be a pretty out, tough outing for. The Dolphins, hopefully, hopefully not, but I expect to see a good game. But I like Tua, and I hope he does good for the rest of the year. Yeah. How do you do in his first start? Nothing spectacular by any means. He, His ending stats, you guys already talked about it, 12-22 for 94 yards, touchdown. Uh, this isn't... This isn't the game, though, I think, to test and see if he can be a franchise quarterback. The defense and special teams, they played lights out, earning the Dolphins a big lead, and then the defense just did their part to make sure it stayed that way. Uh, when you look closely, it actually looks bad on Tua, honestly, because let's let's look at this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the second half, and then I'll go back to the first. But the offense gets the ball in the second half, and they, uh, they get a 20. So they get a 28 to 10 lead by halftime. And when the Dolphins come out for the second half, they got the ball six more times. In those six drives, they go three and out, five and out, three and out, three and out, six and out, and six and out. So six straight punts, and that was the entire second half for them. Not good at all. Their first seven drives had two fumbles and three punts as well. So out of 13 drives, he had – there were two drives – uh, there were two drives where a touchdown was scored. And one of those two drives was literally a one play, one yard rush touchdown because they had just gotten the ball thanks to the defense at the one yard line. So when I look collectively at it, you know, I, when I think about that, he really only had one good drive all game. So it wasn't good, 
but they needed they didn't need him to be good. Let's wait and see how he does when his team needs him to be good. But with that being said, I'm not going to take the first game of a player's career that seriously. Marcus Mariota, his first game of his career uh, years ago, he was when he was starting quarterback for the Titans. I mean, he had four pass touchdowns his first game of his career. So we all saw the results of that. He's now backing up Derek Carr over in Las Vegas. So I'm not going to take it seriously. It's it was one game. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and get a much larger sample size, and then I can give you a better judgment on him. Yeah, uh, you make a great point. Like I said, also, you know, he he didn't lose the game, and I think that was big. The defense, like you said, played great to where they weren't asking much of Tua, and so he wasn't put in that position. So I think next week he's definitely going to be put in that position where he's going to have to make plays if they want a chance to compete. So we'll have to wait and see how he's able to play when there's more adversity in the game. But as far as his first game, wasn't anything eye-popping, but he got the win, helped his team there, and we're going to have to wait and see because some of these other rookies are playing really good. You know, Herbert's out there showing out. Joe Burrow's showing out. Oh, Tua, you know, he was projected to be the – first overall pick also before he had those serious injuries. So let's see how he's able to bounce back and see some of that explosiveness that we saw from him in college. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Keeping it in the NFL, Joe Burrow has started every game for the Cincinnati Bengals, including their Week 8 victory against the Tennessee Titans, 31-20. to Burrow through eight games has a two to five to one record as a starter. Two wins, five losses, one tie. So, George, does Joe Burrow look like a future star for the Bengals? Yeah, I think Joe Burrow is going to be a future star for this Bengals and might even be the face of this, uh, this league. He's he's showing great, you know, play college. He was one of the, he had the best college season ever um but you know they're gonna need him to be a star because this is a tough division with the Steelers the Ravens and the Browns with that being said um I don't doubt Burrow's ability to one day be a star but I do doubt the Bengals organization can they put the surrounding pieces around him to be the star that he can be can they give him a dependable defense a dependable O-line to help protect him. My biggest concern for him that I'm seeing so far is that he'll have a similar career to Andrew Luck in where, you know, he shows great talent, shows great potential, but then ultimately his career is cut short because he's getting killed every Sunday. And, you know, we're talking about a rookie that has 300 yards in five different games. So he's the second most by a rookie and needs one more game to tie Andrew Luck. He's averaging 289 yards per game, which is also second in NFL history for a rookie. So he's out there, he's showing, and he's in a lot of close games. You know, the record could easily be a winning record if a couple of those games, you know, play out a player too different. But, 
you know, he's he's there in those games. He's competing. He's not getting blown out. And like I said, if the defense can help him out, if that O-line could help protect him, I think in the future he can be a star. What are your thoughts, Andrew? So pretty pretty bold prediction there for you, huh? He could be the face of the NFL. That was pretty interesting. One day, hey, if they if they can put the right pieces around them, that we see that that's what really matters is if your team could put the pieces around you, then that that's a good potential to have. It's pretty bold of you, man, especially considering that, you know, you still have Mahomes, you still have, you know, Lamar, you still have some other players in this league. Like pretty bold of you to say that. Now that's what we do here on highly contested bold <laughs> takes. All right. So I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, George, maybe, maybe we're, we're watching different games or something. I don't know, man, because that's not what I'm seeing, dude. So you mentioned that he is averaging 289 yards per game. That's, that's true. That is fair. But that's because out of all the quarterbacks in this league, he has the second most pass attempts at 293 the only player that has more pass attempts than him is matt ryan with 316 and that's because those guys are either always down or they're blowing a lead all right so you talked about you, you know you talked about how and that is a lot of yards per game for a rookie that's awesome but let's think about it he's second right in pass attempts so he's got a lot of yards. He's got 2,023 yards. That is fourth, actually, in the league. But his average yards per attempt, his average yards per attempt is 6.9. That is 25th in the league. It is very low. And you can go off of totals. I like to go off of averages. And, you know, you talked about, you know, he had, when you talked about yards per game, yes, that's an average. But... You know, he's had eight games already, and he's only had nine pass touchdowns. So that's a little over one pass touchdown per game. That's not spectacular to me by any means. Now, if you look at his QBR, his QBR is pretty interesting too. He has a QBR for all those games of 59.4. That's 24th in the league, and his if you, if you like quarterback rating better, you know, like some people like QBR, some people like, you know, passer rating. If you want to look at passer rating, then he's got an 89.4. That's not very spectacular by any means either. But I will say this. Him and Carson Wentz are tied for the most sacked QBs in the NFL with 28 sacks. By the way, Minshew is next on the list after those two, but that's besides the point. The point is, is that he gets a ton of pressure in the pocket, which doesn't help his case at all. Yeah, I think he gets a lot of yards. If he can get a better offensive line, then I think that his numbers will be better. But as of right now, I don't think we should drop any crowns on him per se. Yeah, Drew. So I'm just going to piggyback on that real quick before Joe goes on. <clears throat> so... Drew, I know you like context, and this is the team that had the number one overall pick last year. So what he's been able to do with this team that he has is pretty incredible. A lot of those stats that you were, you know, saying about him that are, you know, maybe I had him a little high and you're trying to level him down a little bit, which is fair. But we got to remember 
you know, the, the people that are on this team, they're not great players. You know, he was playing with some backup O-linemen, some backup players who haven't even practiced in this Sunday game. So what he's able to do with what's there is pretty incredible. And that, that's what I'm saying. If this team could put the proper pieces around him, I think he's got that potential in him to be a star. And, you know, you mentioned how he's throwing basically second to uh, Matt Ryan. And, you know, that, that's that's what they're asking him to do. And he's delivering. It's not his fault necessarily that he's put in these positions where he has to throw the ball so many times. But he's doing it. And he's playing good. So, Joe, what, what are your thoughts on Joe Burrow? Does he got that potential to one day be a star? Joe Burrow is a star and is the future of this team. The Bengals just need to have, need to add some pieces to the offensive line because, like, like you guys are saying, he has no offensive line. He has to throw those short passes, those five to six yard slant passes to whatever, because he has no time in the pocket. And that's why he's getting all those um, yards, all those little small yards, those, those small yards add up. And because the defense knows their strongest offensive uh, game is the run. All they got to do is stop the run. And once they stop the run, Joe Burrow has to throw the ball. And that's when those five to six yards, a slant passes or whatever kind of routes they do uh, that he connects with them. And that, that's what, that's what they're playing calling. And if he had a better offensive line, he might get more protection, more time in the pocket. So he could look downfield more at those faster receivers like AJ green. And I know his, his, his favorite target right now, I think is uh T Higgins. I, th- I think, I, th- I think that's um, his favorite target right now, but if they add those, offensive line pieces they will be more well balanced as a team as a offensive a scheme but their defense is a different issue but Joe Burrow is the future of this team yeah and you know I'm not saying he's not the future I'm just saying I think we're crowning him a little too quickly and you know he's had he's had a, he's had half a season to play, so it's not like a super small sample size by any means. But you know, I think at the end of the day, if you're gonna make the judgment of whether you can, you know, give him a certain crown, uh, like I mean, he hasn't even he. I, in my opinion, he's not even up there for rookie of the year as of right now. I mean, you know, there's a there's a there's a kid who's doing pretty well in over in uh, L.A. So. In my opinion, he's you know I don't think I don't think we should crown him just yet. He's doing he's doing well for a rookie, but let's pump the brakes. I think, and that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I'm I'm not trying to say he is the best right now, but I'm saying I see flashes, I see the potential in him, and I'm really putting it on this Bengals organization to surround him with those pieces because they found their guy, and I, I think that's the question or not the question, but that, I think that's what I'm trying to say is when you pick that number one overall quarterback, you're really hoping that he's that guy. And I think they found that guy. Now it's their job to surround him so that they can keep him around. Like I said, my biggest fear for him too is like you guys were mentioning is he's getting hit a lot of times. And that's one thing they need to sure up because we saw with Andrew Luck, you know, great talent, great guy, 
but his career was cut short because he was getting killed all the time, taking big hits. And I see that already with this guy. So they, they need to do a better job, surround him with a nice solid O-line, get him some weapons and see what he can do because he's, he's got that, that potential. And uh, you make a good point with uh, Justin Herbert. He's playing really good too. And Tua just came onto the scene. So we'll be able to see what how he does in the future. He's got half the season left. So, but from what I'm seeing so far, I think they got that number one pick right. I think he's going to be their guy for the future. Now, how high can his ceiling be? Still to be determined. Yeah. So, uh, George, I think you had uh, sort of a side topic you wanted to talk to us about, didn't you? Yeah, I got a quick little question. Just, uh, you know, two witches came to the scene. So we got three rookies who are playing that quarterback position. And I got a question for you guys. So you got to start one, bench one, cut one. Now your three options are going to be Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Tua. So who are you starting, who are you cutting, and who are you benching? Joe, you want to take this one first or you want me to? You go ahead. Sure. So this isn't – I don't think this is fair to Tua, honestly, just because we haven't we haven't seen enough of him. But um, if I had to pick now, I'm cutting Tua simply for the fact that we just haven't seen enough of him. If and then it comes down to the other two. Right now, I would put I, I think that I think that Herbert is actually taking the lead away from Joe Burrow as far as the rookie of the year. Yeah, he's not yeah, he's you know, he's struggling to get a win, but in at the end of the day, his it's not necessarily his fault. His numbers are his numbers are good. His numbers are actually better than Joe Burrow's in a lot of categories. And I could go over the same categories basically that I went over with you guys with Joe Burrow. But at the end of the day, you know, you can you can take that stuff with you know however you want. But I'd say that in my opinion, I would start Herbert over Joe Burrow. And I would bench Joe Burrow. That was a pretty Pretty, you know, well, it was all right. It was an all right one, but I'm going to totally disagree with you, Drew. I am cutting Justin Herbert because he proved it's hard for him to uh, to get a win in those um, in, the, in the games he's played. I am benching Tua, and I'm starting Joe Burrow. Very nice. Uh, like what I heard from you guys. Very highly contested of you two to not agree, which is always good here. like to see and hear the different takes on this. But I think if I had a pick, I'm starting Joe Burrow and uh, I'll bench Justin Herbert and, you know, I'll cut uh, Tua for now. Let's see how Tua does for the rest of the season and maybe we can come back to this question towards the end of the season. All right, we're going to move to a different NFL topic. The highly anticipated matchup between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers took place on Sunday. Both sides competed, had uh, both sides competed, and the lead went back and forth late. 
This game came down to the final play where Lamar drove down the field and threw an incomplete pass in the end zone as time expired, leading to a Steelers victory 28-24. to So, George, are the Steelers the biggest threat in the AFC? Yeah, um, I think as of right now, they're definitely putting their stamp out there. Solid defense, explosive offense. Many doubted Big Ben, especially after his injury, whether or not he'd be able to come back and play good enough, especially given his older age. He's proven that he still has enough left in the tank and that there's a lot of play left at a high level. So he proved that with uh, another great win against the Ravens. They are now undefeated or remain undefeated. Uh, The Steelers team is the real deal and is being led by a veteran champion in Big Ben. He's also anchored with a top defense, which gave Lamar Jackson his first career pick six. Um, like I said, this is a very explosive offense. Different people you got to worry about. If you try to double, you know, Claypool, then Johnson can go off. You always got to keep an eye on Juju because he can go off. I mean, th- this is a well-balanced team of offense and defense, you know, with a great coach and Tomlin. And I think they're putting their statement out there, you know, sending a message to the Chiefs in that AFC saying, hey, we're here and we're the real deal and you better not sleep on us because we're coming. Joe, what are your thoughts on the Steelers? Um, I, I know that, like, like you said, that Ben Roethlisberger's, uh, his age is coming up a lot, but I don't think his age is dampening down on Big Ben. Plus, he is only thirty-eight, and Tom and Tom Brady is in his forties. Ben still has has time under his belt to to be the quarterback, uh, uh, a, an elite quarterback for the Steelers. Um, after the after this win against the Ravens, this definitely puts him a little bit above uh, the Chiefs as the most threatening team in the AFC, and then. Uh, the uh, the Steelers and the Ravens will play again in November again <laughs> in two uh, two two teams in the same month uh, on Thanksgiving and that will be the most interesting interesting game to watch on Thanksgiving Day. Are the Steelers the biggest threat in the AFC? You already know the answer to this question. Yes, of course they are. I don't know when it was, what, like a couple weeks ago, maybe three, maybe four weeks ago, I told you guys, I made the bold prediction that this team is going to be in the Super Bowl at the end of the year. And they're looking like they have the best shot at it. They're the most well-balanced team in the NFL. Their offense is sixth in total scoring at 30.5 points per game. Their defense is number one in yards per game at 286.3 and sixth in scoring defense at 19.7 points per game. Their defense is top five, their offense is top 10, and their special teams is solid too. In kickoff returns, they rank sixth at at 26.1 yards per return. So they do a good job of setting up the offense off kickoff returns, and they do a good job in punt returns too. They rank third at 13.0 yards per return. They're making 100% of their field goals, which is something that they always struggled with in the past decade, finding a solid kicker. 
And they're 20 of 21 on their PATs. This is the best team overall when you look at defense, when you look at offense, when you look at special teams. So on paper, they are the best team, and that's why they're 7-0 and in control of their division and the conference right now. Yeah, Drew, and that, that's why we like big, bold takes around here. You know, you hit this one on the head, you know, weeks back. You did call the Steelers were your favorites as of that moment when we were talking and did make that bold prediction that you think they'd be in the Super Bowl representing the AFC. And right now, like you said, well-balanced from top to bottom. Seems like they're top five, I mean, top 10. It, it sounded like they're top six in almost every category. So that's definitely a recipe to for success to represent the AFC. And, you know, you tie that in with Mike Tomlin and everything going on. So definitely a scary team for anyone to play because you, you really can't just dial in on one thing on the Steelers team. They hurt you any way possible from special teams to big band to that defense. It really doesn't matter. They, they got playmakers all around and this is a scary team. Most definitely. Yeah. And they, at this point, if they continue this, they're probably going to win that first round by with home field advantage. When you look at their schedule, they only have they only play four teams with a winning with a winning record from here on out. That's the Ravens, the Colts, the Bills, and the Browns. And I'm gonna say this: the Ravens will be tough. Uh, the Ravens are a little inconsistent. I'll give them that, but they're not nearly as as inconsistent as those other three teams. The Colts they show a lot of inconsistencies in their wins and their losses. Bills same. And the Browns, well, we already know about that. So we know that that team is completely inconsistent. But I can't see them losing. I can't see them losing more than two of those, uh, more than one of those games. Then they have the Bengals twice, the Redskins, the Cowboys, and the Jaguars. But with that being said, like uh, if, if they continue playing the way that they're playing, you know, Maybe they get only one or two more losses, and that's going to be enough, in my opinion, to take the to take the conference. Yeah, and that bye week is going to be important going into the playoffs because with the new format, you know, only one team gets that bye now. So if they're that team with that bye, that that's a nice advantage to them going forward in the playoffs to make that run to represent the AFC. Yeah, of course. As long as you, as long as you can, of course, take advantage of it because, you know, we've seen we've seen in recent years that sometimes those teams with those first round buys they don't uh, doesn't seem like they're as prepared to take those hits, those playoff hits coming into the game. So as long as they're preparing and they're doing well, which knowing Mike Tomlin, knowing him as a head coach, I know that he is. Uh, I know that he is going to make sure that these guys are in shape if they get that first round buy. For the for their opponent, whoever it may be, the following week. Yeah, Mike Tomlin will have these guys ready, and this is one of the best organizations in football. So, led by Big Ben, who's been there and done it before. So, I think they'll be ready to go after that bye if they do get the bye week in uh, the playoffs. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Dummy, dummy, dummy.